0: Does anyone play the show? Have you ever played the show? I'm sure all Marlins fans will be buying this year's 2023 version of the show. The Marlins have a cover athlete, and it is our man Jazz Chisholm Jr., cover athlete for the show 2023. Reaction to that, plus further discussion around the Blyer-Barnes move, and we're going to get into potentially the changes of strategy around bullpen management with Skip Schumacher at the helm, Uh, plus also thinking about whether the Marlins are now done for the offseason. All on today's Locked On Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the
1: Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every
0: day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked on Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast. I am your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you're listening to the pod, hit subscribe there too. Leave a review. Why not? And there is a YouTube channel. It is Locked on Marlins. And yes, you will see if you are watching, the UK goat is in the house. Sean Barrett, I teased it out yesterday. I knew he would be back. Sean, how we doing, brother? I'm not too
1: bad, Pete. It's uh, been some interesting moves recently, so uh, plenty to get into. There
0: has been some interesting moves, some interesting news. This off continues to, to deliver. It was a slow burn, it's fair to say. But the off-season continues to rumble on for the Marlins, uh, for certain. But before we get into it, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. You can visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. More about those guys later on. Uh, Sean Barrett, where are we going to start? We are starting with our man, Jazz Chisholm Jr., the Bahamian Prince. Absolute stud. He, uh, and it was teased out, it's fair to say. There were some teasers dropping for a couple of days. Uh, but Jazz Chisholm Jr. is on the cover of the show. Uh, we're both in our late 30s-ish. How excited is this news? How exciting is this news for you uh, personally? But more so, just what this means, that the Marlins and Jazz Chisholm Jr. on the cover of a video game. Big news, I think.
1: It's it's huge news. Uh, for me personally, somebody who hasn't played MRB the show since I think the two thousand and ten copy. Oh, um
0: it's not, not time that, a refresh then, right? It's yeah, not on.
1: that big of a deal for me personally. I don't yeah. think I've known a console that would be able to play such a modern game nowadays. Mm-hmm. But for, for the Marlins, um this is huge. We've we've talked about jazz, about being the star of, of the team, um and, and how the league have slowly but surely drip fed him into the national uh, audience, and this while it's a computer game, it's not technically the league. It's it's still further sort of growth of of Chisholm as a star in baseball. Mm. There was a, quite a bit of media, uh, well, fan um, sort of disappointment that it wasn't, you know, a Yankee or Dodger or this player or that player. Uh, yeah. For me, I don't think this is a case of. It's a performance-based uh, decision. No. It is a. It's they're marketing a very exciting character to the people that play computer games, mostly children and, and young people. And I don't, and for me, that's that's the reason why the league have done that. You could put Mike Trout on on the cover if you wanted to. He's a, he's been a fantastic player for for many years. Yeah, he's vanilla as hell though. <laughs> And it would not sell a single copy. Jazz will no. sell copies um, just because he is such a you know a bombastic
0: character. He is. For me, he's the absolute perfect choice. I don't know why anyone's bothering to discuss I mean, firstly, is this really a major discussion point to your point? Probably not. Like it's just it's just the cover star. But for jazz, you'll be seeing this as an honor, but as well, like, he's the perfect choice. Everyone loves Jazz. Like I've said many times, Jazz Jazz Chisholm Jr. was voted in. That, to me, and and he plays for the Marlins, by the way. And do you remember how they vote? You get votes for the All-Star game? It's basically a local, you know, popularity contest of you can vote by 5 million times for any player and you just keep voting day after day. So the biggest fan bases vote in all of their players. No! Jazz Chisholm was voted in. That says to me he has national, worldwide appeal. Look at Jazz. Look at the way he operates. Look at the way he dresses. Look at the on social media. Everything about Jazz is everything that baseball should be pushing right now to push the ticket. To your point, though, Sean, it isn't about performance. I mean, let's be honest. When Jazz is on the field, uh, it's 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 good, um, no doubt but he doesn't have a sustained and lengthy career where it's like profound success and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Jazz has still got some, some things to prove uh, on the field, no doubt. But in terms of a guy that can help market baseball, and as well, there's backstory too, right? A guy from the Bahamas um, looking like he, you know, how he does, playing for the Marlins, an absolute stud in everything that he does. It's the perfect choice. I don't know why anyone's whinging or worrying about this one. And yes, what I would say, the main name I did here talked about, which was like, oh, well, if, I'm okay with Jazz, but it should have been, and the, the player that was most mentioned was Julio Rodriguez, I would say. He was the most mentioned name. But Julio Rodriguez, like, okay, he had a great year last year, no doubt. Um, but Jazz has got more swag. He's got him covered, no doubt about it, so... I think they made the right choice with this one. Um, I'm going to, just on, on the game itself, I've owned one copy of the show. When, when the pandemic kicked off, I bought a PlayStation specifically so I could get the show. When we were all craving for anything to do in the pandemic, it's fair to say I haven't played much of it recently. But, yeah, I probably won't buy this one either. But uh, nevertheless, Jazz is the face of MLB The Show 20. I think he is the perfect choice. And who knows? He may be, and I don't know this because I haven't researched it, but he may be the first two-time cover athlete by the time his career is done. Maybe someone else has done that. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Anyway, Sean, let's come away from video games and popularity contests. Let's start talking about the Marlins and the blockbuster trade that dropped yesterday. Yesterday, I had to hop on to an emergency pod. Uh, King Richard, Richard Blyer, traded to the Red Sox. And the Marlins pick up a reliever in exchange. It was a bit of a unique trade, it felt like, where it was some money exchange in hands. There was a couple of relievers, one going one way, one going the other. But what was your overall assessment of this trade here?
1: Uh, yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? In the idea that both teams are eating the money for the players that they're trading, so right. it, 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 yeah. it's an odd one. Uh, for yeah. me, it's it's interesting because I like Flyer. I think he's a, he's a very serviceable reliever. I like that ground ball um, sort of profile that he brought. That's yeah, sort of similar to Sandy. Obviously, Sandy's got more strikeout potential, mm-hmm. uh, but for me, this is a clear movement away from a guy that's a ground baller that requires a solid defence, which the Marlins had last year, good to that can strike out more people, the ball's not going to be in play as much and therefore that's probably going to help the Marlins a little bit more than Blyer would because the defence is it's not going to be a bad defence that's not what I'm saying, but it's mm-hmm. not going to be as good as it was last year, so maybe guys that have a bit more strikeout potential are going to help the Marlins and maybe Blyer was, yeah it's a case of All those ground balls, a couple of them are going to get muffed through the season. My biggest concern is the team have clearly recognised that and and done something about it. But we've got Sandy signed up for years. You'd think they'd want the defence to be a good defence behind a ground baller because you've got Sandy as your ace. Mm. So that's probably my biggest takeaway and concern.
0: Do you know what? It's funny you mentioned Sandy because you started talking about this. I was going to ask you about Sandy. So we're aligned. That's good. And I, I was thinking about this, like this more, the, this defensive change and it's, you know, we can't get away from this. They will have stepped back defensively. They are going to step back defensively and they need, and the, you know, the offset is we get the sticks, we get more offense. So that has to happen. So it is what it is on Sandy specifically. What I've been thinking about is, are we going to see a different Sandy Alcantara in 2023? where I think Sandy can do whatever he wants, where he's that good, he'll throw these, these kind of pitches that that draw the contact because he you know, he wants to go deep. He wants to go eight, nine innings. And with that, you can't strike everyone out because you're just going to run out of gas and, run, and there's going to be too many pitches. So it, in, in many cases, he's pitching to contact on purpose to try and, you know, four pitching and five pitching and bang, 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 ground balls and out of there. I wonder if we see a completely different Sandy Alcantara in 2023 where all of a sudden it becomes K's galore and he just goes on the hunt. Because this is the thing. When he's in these games, when he's pitching in the eighth, all of a sudden he's dialing up the heat. Like, he's holding it in reserve. He always, because he shows that. He gets stronger as it goes on. I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking this. But I am just wondering if Sandy starts to change his approach in his game and the type of pitcher he becomes and starts to focus more on up in that K rate. I don't know what. What's your thoughts on that one? It's an interesting idea because normally
1: you see it go the other way around. I remember when Jose Fernandez first come up, he was striking out people left, right, center because he had that stuff. But because he was on an in, 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 innings limit because he was younger, mm. then it was a case of he would get to the fourth, fifth inning and he's getting pulled. This is back when that didn't happen in baseball. People would go six, seven, eight. Um, so the idea that Sandy would do the opposite and start trying to be less efficient with his pitches because yeah. strikeouts are going uh, to bump up your your innings um, and, and your pitches. It, I think Sandy has got that raw stuff. I think he does have the stuff that he could strike out more than nine you know, nine per nine. Um, obviously, yeah. he doesn't really because he's pitching to contact. He's, he wants to go long. He wants to be that, that, that horse. Yeah. Um, that's all well and good if he is going to strike out more people, be more um, adventurous with his, his with his pitching, and then only only go six or seven each night.
0: Mm.
1: If the bullpen behind him picks him up, yeah. If Sandy pitches seven scoreless innings every night, and then the bullpen blows it, he, if I'm Sandy, I'm very quickly going to sod it. I'm pitching eight and nine again. I'm not. That's I'm not, what
0: happened last year, though, right? Yeah, it was. He, he said, "I'm going to be the starter and the closer." That was his mentality, like to come out. Uh, sorry, to cut you off, but like that, you could see that with Sandy that he was there trying to go nine because he knew the bullpen was a little sketchy at times. But um, I think it's something to keep an eye on. I'm intrigued to see what Sandy is in 23, coming off the back of a sigh young awards and a stunning season and a year where the defense steps backwards and no shifts. Like there's a lot that's changing here for Sandy. So I'm really intrigued. Um, probably something for us to dig into on another episode. Um, want to talk about fan jewel shortly, but Sean, I wanted to then segue us into, which is kind of where we were going, the bullpen and the general makeup and maybe the approach for Skip Schumacher in terms of his management of the bullpen. It's something that I was thinking about yesterday um, whether there may be a move away from the, the traditional approach of a seventh-inning guy, an eighth-inning guy, and a ninth-inning guy, and everyone's got their innings and their slots and their roles. Is Skip going to go about things differently? So I'll let you ponder on that. Um, but, guys, as I've already teased out, ah, this episode is brought to you by good friends over at FanDuel. And this year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel. It's America's number one sportsbook. And we are delighted and excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because, well, they're the number one sports book in America. So there you go. Number one network, number one sports book. Feels like a nice fit. Anyway, if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They've got so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. First off, download FanDuel right now so you can bet Super Bowl 57, baby, with a no-sweat first bet. So you love that. You'll get up to three dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Yep, you heard that right. You'll get up to three thousand dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. That's the no sweat first bet. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. Anything at all, FanDuel have got you covered. It's a safe and secure app and super easy to use. And you get paid your winnings instantly. Yes, sir. So you can join FanDuel today at fan-slash-locked-on to claim your no-sweat-first-bet on Super Bowl 57. That's fan slash locked on Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Ah, I absolutely nailed that ad as well. That was wonderful. Wonderful. Sean... Talk to me about this bullpen now, because I think the Marlins have added someone that can add some leverage innings here. Uh, Floro is back. He's healthy. Oakert still around. Tanner Scott, I think, could take a leap. How are you feeling about this leverage pen now for the Marlins?
1: It's getting there, isn't it? It is a case of we talk all the time about the idea of the Marlins piecing together a bullpen, yeah. of misshapen parts and, and put together as cheaply as possible, just because that's the, the way you, you can get a mid-tier bullpen doing it that way. I think bringing in Barnes, a guy that has closer experience, mm. is, is a good thing. You look at the numbers last year, and you uh, can have some concern. But that second half, I think, was more sort of typical for him. So I think you work with that and you look at floor as well. You know, the numbers last yeah. year weren't particularly good. You take away that first month where, you know, coming back from injury, the, the numbers look good. So I yeah. think now with Scott as well, you know, you've got a guy that's got elite stuff. Can he walk people less than, you know, four and a half per nine? Hopefully.
0: By the way, just on, t- on Tanner Scott, his Go and have a look at his baseball savant page for the listeners tuning in. Sean, you probably saw it as well the other day, but it is a wonderful baseball savant page. There is one slider in particular that stands out, and it is the, the walks—the
1: one the walk percent walk percentage percent. Oh, yes,
0: yeah, that is not—it's um, not. I mean, it is what you would expect, but yeah, I mean, everything else just pops off on his profile, but it does pop off as well in terms of the the walk issue. But you know, and it really highlights how much of an issue it is. And if you can get that under control, mate, like I mean, I'm I'm really buying into Tanner Scott at the moment. I'm just, as I've been thinking about it more and more, I'm just getting more excited about what he could be. Um, because the stuff is elite, just needs a bit more control. And then there's an absolute stud left-handed reliever there, I think, for the Marlins. So yeah, I don't know. Are they done though? Like bullpen-wise, are they done? Do or are, they, are we still looking to add one guy, two guys? I mean, we keep hearing Alex Reyes. Uh, we keep hearing it because I keep saying it. No one's actually said anything about Alex Reyes, but I keep thinking about him. You know, are they still looking to add that? Or is Barnes the final piece in this jigsaw and they're just going to roll with it? I mean,
1: at, at this point, I think that's the biggest move they're going to make, unless it is Reyes and they bring in Reyes. And, and to be honest, where, what do we know about his health? We don't know a lot. Um, and no. if he does come to the team, would that be on a major league deal? Would that be... Be him starting the season straight away from spring training. Who knows? I think the the Barnes move is the the last biggest move that they'll make with the bullpen. Um, and yeah, there might be a few small pieces coming in uh, spring training invites. You know, you're going to piece together. I think anybody can anybody could come into the Marlins right now and have a great showing in the spring and earn themselves a spot on a major league team, um, yeah. or at the very least. Start the season in AAA and see time at the major league level. Um, I think, as far as general moves, overall moves, there's still those, you know, there's nagging doubts. You want a first baseman backup. You want that center field sorted. But for for opening day, the team opened the season as it's currently constructed. I, would, I uh, I've said this before. I'd be excited. Yeah. I, I think there's a team there that can be competitive, and I know people rag on that idea of, oh, we only want competitive baseball. Yes, that's all we do want. Uh, Get me to July, get me to August, get me to September with meaningful games being played, and I can get excited about it rather than slogging through the late season watching games when I know we're going to lose 90 games. This is, at the moment, a, a competitive team in my eyes, and I think there's a potential for moves to be made. Having having one obvious hole that you can just plug in and fix in June or July, is, is kind of a positive, isn't it? You you've got yeah. one spot you know you can improve on, and if if they get to June, July, and in a position that that's necessary, necessary, then that's super exciting.
0: I'm with you. I, I'm I'm feeling positive. I was equally. I mean, I've listened back, and this is the thing, right? Everything's on record. We're locked on. You can. Go back and listen. What did I say last year? Lalins went and got stallings to fill that void. Joey Wendell, he was an all-star, went and acquired him. Avisel Garcia threw the money at him. Jorge Soler just come off the back of a World Series MVP. I was I was bullish about the fish, and, you know, it fell flat, clearly. But the reality is I was bullish about that offseason, and now they've added again to it in terms of, you know, there's three, four different guys that have been added, what I would say, though, Sean, is Derry Jeter's, uh, Marlins roster has been dismantled pretty quickly, it seems. Like, Jeter's gone. Um, and the the core, or his foundations, I would say, are pace too. Like, Blyer, you know, was a, was a Jeter guy that was acquired in his time. Um, was, you know, veteran guy. Miguel Rojas, obviously big part of, of that period too. Predated Jeter too. But, like, we're seeing... Quite a significant turnover now in the past 18 months, I would say, since Kim's really taken the reins of this Marlins organization from a you know the GM perspective. and we're seeing a lot of turnover. like it, it this this team and the identity of it feels very, very different now to what it did eighteen months ago, I think. What about you?
1: Yeah, I mean obviously the clear change from from toolsy guys to to contact low high ceiling guys' mm-hmm. has been clear in the off season. Whether or not you want to say it's Gita's guys, although a lot of these guys that have left are Jeta guys, or whether you want to say the guys that were part of a team that lost ninety games two years running, like yeah, if yeah. you don't make changes to that, then then what are you saying? You're happy mm. to keep losing ninety games? Um, the the, yeah, the record is not indicative
0: of, of the talent on the roster, right?
1: Yeah, the the team's changed and it needed some changes. Yeah. I'd like, I, yeah, I would like one more move, but as it stands, this is a team that is is going to be interesting and it's going to make some noise, and um, yeah. as a Marlins fan, that's all you can ever ask for.
0: It really is. I saw the Athletic uh, graded. Uh, there's, there's a couple of things coming out from the Athletic right now, and it's always a great source of, of information and articles. Uh, one of which being uh, Keith Law's top 100 prospects. Uh, we're going to cover that on another episode because that needs more time. I'm looking forward to it. Um, but I did see they had an off-season grade per team, and the Marlins. Uh, I don't know. Have you seen? Have you seen that? Yeah, you've seen it. Okay. So the Marlins were given a grade C, uh, which I would say was one of the lowest grades of all of the teams. Um, some of which were much lower. Um, but the Marlins were definitely in the bottom third, I would say, of grading. Um, Without digging into the athletics grade itself, where would you go with this, Sean? Right now, the off season that we've had, and it's been an intriguing off season uh, in many ways, but where would you land on now at this point? See, now I'm not too far
1: off. I mean, the the C was, yeah, very low down. I think it was like the 20th sort of spot. team. So that I feel is probably a little bit too low, but, C plus for me. That that grade to me says you did okay and you tried. Yeah, that's that's you know you can get a C plus quite easily. Did you try and did you do okay? That's a C Mm. plus. Yeah. Um, I think I think that major move that that filling of the centre field spot you you could jump that straight up to sort of high B low A. Um, As it is, these gradings mean nothing at the end of the day. The only thing that will um, be a true test of the way that this team was built is how many wins it has at the end of the season.
0: And in reality, Sean, that is how we should assess every team. But of course, the record is not always indicative of the talent on the roster. Absolutely love that phrase. I love that from Kitman. Love the way she keeps doubling down, tripling down, quadrupling down on that. Uh, but you're totally right. That that is, that is the barometer. That's how you measure success Talent, whatever it might be, health. Um, I I think C feels slightly too low as well. Uh, I think the Marlins have had a nice off season. To be honest with you, like I, I I I like the moves they've made, and I think really when it when you when you look at the way everything's pl- uh, shaping up with the offense, this effectively, and this is what Danny Rodriguez talked about with me last week. This hinges on can Abiselle Garcia, and Jorge Soler deliver what they were, they've were they been paid to do. And the rest of it, every all the other moves that have been made is to just build around those guys. And if those guys do what they should do, then this Marlins offense is interesting. One other point, just on the offense and the lineup specifically, I was thinking about this and looking into some numbers. Would you believe, Sean, I was looking into splits. I was looking at a Jazz Chisholm splits. What did I see with you know, no runners on base. Jazz wasn't that great last year with runners on base or in scoring position. He was absolutely insane. And I think we've always felt that he wasn't the optimal leadoff guy. Yes, speed wise he is, but the type of hitter he is, isn't conducive, I would say, to prototypical leadoff guy. Um, the question I've got for you though is where should Jazz hit in this lineup now, in this revamp lineup? I think Arias is going to be right up the top. Every other spot is open. So if you, you know, and let's assume it's a righty going, by the way, um, where would you be hitting Jazz to, to kind of make the most out of everything that Jazz offers?
1: See, now most people want him in, in the fourth spot, aren't they? I think that's where most people would have him in the cleanup spot. I'd have him at three. I think I'd I'd do a Reyes Segura Jazz and then Coop. Okay. Um, now I I know that I'm putting Coop in the cleanup spot, and that's not just because I think Coop can play there, but it adds in a lefty righty lefty righty split top of your lineup, and I really I think I I value that quite a lot. Even though there's not so much of a um, one inning guy a loogie guy coming in just to get that one lefty, out, I still think. Balancing your lineup with lefty right, lefty right gives a challenge to a picture. Does. Um, and I think, yeah, I'm not gonna complain if Jazz is four, obviously, but I think he is a three four here. Then you put Avi and Soler behind them, the you know the big guy's gotta go. Um, but big in an ideal world, Reyes and Segura getting on and then Jazz is just hitting him in, uh, would be uh, or Coop cleaning up.
0: That would be perfect for me. Could be. I'm, I'm intrigued to see the way they, they go about it. I think Arias is the, is the clear leadoff hitter. Um, I put it out yesterday, you know, just playing with it on Twitter, and I think the main feedback was aligned to you, Jazz, not in the four spot but in the three hole, which I think is interesting. Um, the question then is where do you hit mean Gene Segura? Uh, he hit a lot at the kind of five, you know, more like six, seven in the order for the Phillies last year. So I then started to think about... Arias Coop Jazz one, two, three, which I think is intriguing, too, like, because you know, Coop's contact gap hitter, like, he can definitely get arias in from, um, you know, if, if he's on base, I think, so I, I think that could be a nice match, it, it wouldn't shock me as well if Wendell ends up there as well in the two spot, and they kind of just go, like, really lefty-heavy in some parts, but yeah, to your point, it's interesting. Let's not forget Celeste spent some time leading off as well. I mean, clearly that was in Don Mattingly's Uh, world I guess and, and his lineup construction but you know Soler he's there to hit bombs and ideally you've got guys on base in front of him and actually what we saw with Jazz is he's really good if there's runners on and so you know play to Jazz's strengths play to Soler's strengths but this Marlins roster comes down to this offense anyway for me comes down to can Jazz if Jazz is healthy he's gonna absolutely light it up can Avi and Soler do what they're paid to do and if they are The rest will just fall into place, in my opinion. We've run out of time, Sean. We haven't got time to talk about bullpen management. So we'll have to do that next time when we speak, which will be in the coming days, I guess. Um, I'm interested, for those listening, what do you think the Marlins are going to do in this? Is it going to be designated closer? Is it going to be closer by committee? If so, who's going to be getting uh, share? Share? Save shares. Save opportunities. That's the way to phrase it. Um, Guys, thanks for making Locked on Marlins your first listen of the day. Thank you to the UK GOAT, as always, Sean Barrett, back in the house. Um, in summary, in summary on this one, Jazz Chisholm was the perfect cover choice for MLB The Show 2023. The Blyer-Barnes trade feels nice. Upside there for the Marlins. Thinking about Jazz as well. Hitting in the three spot, to me, feels like the right spot for Jazz to maximize his abilities and get this rolling Sandy Alcantara is he going to be the same type of pitcher next game to reflect some of the rule changes and the changes of personnel behind him that's been Locked On Marlins I've been your host Peter Pratt of course the UK goat Sean Barrett and we'll be back very very soon Locked On Marlins see you soon